Well, before we get into our podcast tonight, I thought I'd come on and just say it's that time of year when we'd love to have folks donate to the podcast. We want to keep the Judy Garland and Friends podcast going, and we want to keep the Jack Benny Show OTR podcast going. Those are my two podcasts that I run. We don't have enough money coming in right now to, to justify keeping both of them going, but I have no doubt folks will come through as they always have in the past. If you donate at the just the $1 a month level, if you go to Patreon and just through our site and just donate at the $1 level, you can have access to all of the Judy Garland shows that Mindy has ever done intros to. You can have access to all of the Bing Crosby shows that I've ever done intros to. At the $3 level, you get access to all of the podcasts we've ever done, which is a lot of fun. Uh, at the $4 level, you get access to all of those podcasts that we've ever done, our entire archive of thousands of shows that we've done, plus um, the archive of our source material that is our high-quality copies of, of different shows that you can listen to as well. We give those to you as a bonus just for, for signing up and supporting the podcast. So if you can, support the podcast. It would really help us out. Now, to get to the podcast, to be able to donate, you can either go to judy-garland.podomatic.com and over on the um, right-hand side, there will be a button for Patreon that if you want to donate through Patreon, that'll let you donate at the dollar level. There's also a button that's just PayPal that you can just do a one-time donation for as much as you'd like to donate. Um, over on if you, if you want to donate at the Buck Benny site, you can go to buckbenny.com. And on the right-hand side, there's also uh, lots of ways to donate. I ask if you're going to donate at the $1 level that you do it through Patreon, though, and not through PayPal, just because PayPal takes so much of the money at the $1 level. Anything beyond that, it's fine donating either way. Uh, anyway, thank you for supporting the podca podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And let's get into tonight's shows. Enjoy. The man on the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of... Gun smoke. No, no, it isn't the breeze. Buck Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, welcome to another one of our Western Wednesdays with Gunsmoke and the six-shooter. Today on Gunsmoke, we have The Square Triangle, written by Les Crutchfield. Another great episode with excellent sound. I think you'll be really happy with this one. And after that, we get to experience another episode of The Six-Shooter with William Conrad, who, of course, plays Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. So we get to have, hear a little bit of William Conrad. He's not in much of the episode, I don't think, but enough that you should recognize him. Uh, another great episode. Easter Creek, uh, unfortunately, when I picked this series to join on to 
Gunsmoke. Uh, it doesn't really match the time of year, so we're going to have an Easter story, but that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, once we get through with the six-shooter, most of the other series that I'm going to bring us, bring us with Gunsmoke are going to match up really well with the time of year. Anyway, without further ado, let's go right into Gunsmoke and the six-shooter with Jimmy Stewart. Enjoy. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. night, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Except for that coyote. He's wailing his head off out there. <laughs> Mad at the moon, I guess. Or in love, maybe. Oh? Yes, sir. The way I've noticed it, anytime you find a man or an animal out squalling around in the dark, it's usually love. <laughs> yeah, but this one sounds kind of mournful, Chester. Well, sir, love is mournful sometimes, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> yeah, so I've heard. Matt? Uh, Is that you? Oh, good evening, Miss Morley. How have you been, Matt? Oh, fine. Fine, thank you. You, uh, down here on Front Street this time of night alone? I'm looking for Red Lawson. He's a new man, works for Al. Al's meeting him sometime after midnight, and they're going out on a cattle buying trip. I want to talk to him first. You satisfied? <laughs> well, it's... Just that this is no place for a woman alone, Miss Morley. Uh, maybe you better go home. There are other women down here. They belong here, Miss Morley. They work here. Oh, don't be so stuffy, Matt. And call me Ava for once. Everybody else does. Well, your husband might take exception to that, Miss Morley. Now, you're blaming me for what happened before, aren't you? I'm not blaming you for anything, Miss Morley. I didn't tell him to get into a gunfight over me. Wasn't my fault. I didn't say it was. Chester, you better see that Miss Morley gets home, all right? Yes, sir. I can get home by myself. My, she's pretty as a picture. It makes you wonder. Yeah, maybe you were right, Chester. With a woman like that, love might be kind of mournful. I just give my rope a couple of turns around that juniper stump, and I jerk back on uh, it. Lawson? 
Oh, hi, Marshal. I wonder if I could see you for a minute, huh? Yeah, sure. Be right back, boys. What's on your mind, Marshal? Lawson, I, uh, I just ran into Ms. Morley in the street outside. You did? Yeah, I suggested she go home. She's got no business being down here this time of night. It, uh, might be a good idea if, uh, you'd tell her that, huh? Seems to me that's up to her husband. Look, you're new here, Lawson. I, uh, I guess you didn't know Fred Curtis and the Santa Fe Kid. I heard about it. A couple of fools, as far as I can see. Yeah, I guess they were. After they met Ms. Morley. Hey, look, Marshal. What's your stake in this? I got no stake. What Ms. Morley does is her own business, as long as it doesn't cause any trouble. I'm just trying to keep her peace, that's all. I... I feel kind of sorry for her, that's all. Al treats her like a dog. Uh-huh. Fred and the kid used to talk the same way. Like I said, a couple of fools. I'm not. I hope not. See you around, Marshal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I would think so. Sure. Hi, Kitty. <laughs> Could I speak to you? Oh, sure, Matt. Uh, excuse me, boys. I'll be back. <laughs> what, Matt? Kitty, has Al Morley been in tonight? Oh, no. I haven't seen him, Matt. Should he have been around? Oh, not necessarily. He and Lawson are riding out around midnight on a cattle buying trip. I... I just thought they might be meeting here. Oh, well, not yet, anyway. Jesse Wells would know what the plans are, though. Jesse Wells? Yeah, the bartender down there at the end, the young one. You know him. Oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, why would he know? Well, he's going along. I'll ask him to help out there. Going to follow the Lazy Bee Roundup. Try to get in ahead of the buyers from Chicago. Oh, yeah. He, uh... He's a nice-looking kid. I wonder if, uh... Yeah. Yeah, he's another friend of Ava's. Oh, boy. Hold it Marshal! Marshal Dillon! Oh, come on. Wake up, Marshal! All right, all right. Take it easy. Who is it? Jesse Wells, Marshal. Open the door. All right, just a second till I get it. Yeah. What's the trouble, Wells? Al Morley, Marshal. And you better get your horse, because we got to ride back out there. Out where? What happened? Buffalo Flats. We camped there to wait for the roundup crew. And Al's dead, Marshal. He's knifed in the back. Did you do it? No. It was Red Lawson. He knifed Al and he stole the money we were going to use to buy cattle. What in the world is going on, Mr. Dillon? You better saddle up, Chester. We got a ride. What's the trouble? Ah, the usual. Nothing new but the names. Seems Red Lawson turned out to be a fool in spite of himself. <laughs>
Over this way, Marshal. Camp is right there by that plum thicket. Right. Be daylight in another 20 minutes. Hello, boy. Oh, oh. He's laying over there by the bushes. Yeah, I see him. Whose knife is it, Jesse? It's Al's. We were all asleep. We built a fire, made some coffee, and then turned in. When wait for daylight, the lazy bee bunch planned to work their stock up this way. I see. <coughs> yeah, here, Chester. Wrap the knife in something and hang on to it. Huh? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Now go on, Jesse. What happened? Well, well, like I said, Marshal Dillon, we were all asleep. I guess it was the sound of the horse's hose woke me up. Mm-hmm. Red lost and he was pulling out. Well, I run over to Al, shook him to wake him up and tell him. Then I saw the knife and he was dead. Where were you sleeping, Jesse? Well, oh, right about here, I guess. Red was across the fire over there and Al was where he's laying now. What about the money? How'd you know it was gone? Well, I thought about it right off, and I figured that's why Red had done it. Al was carrying about $10,000 in a little leather sack he'd stuck under the blanket before we'd gone to sleep. So I went and looked for it. It was gone. You figure Red killed him for the money, then? Well, sure. Of course, I doubt he meant it, though. I think Red was trying to ease the sack out from under the blanket when Al woke up and caught him. Yeah, it's possible. Be light enough to start tracking him in a few minutes, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Sun's poking up over there now. Looks like it's going to be a clear day. Which way'd Lawson head out, Jesse? East. Seemed to be following the wagon tracks. Odds are bad, Mr. Dillon. He's got quite a start on us. Yeah, too much of a start. Well, let's load the pack, Mule Chester. I think we'll ride back into Dodge and then take the train from there to Abilene then work back from the east. Say, that's a good idea. Lawson probably won't be expecting anybody ahead of him. I can't understand it. I just can't understand how anybody could could do a thing like this. It sounds like a metal arc, Chester. Yes, sir, he just flew into those bushes. Red seemed a pretty nice fellow, as far as I could tell. It's a funny time of year for a metal arc, isn't it? Guess $10,000 was just too much temptation, huh? Oh, some of them hangs around all winter, Mr. Dillon. No, that sure sounds a lot better than that coyote howling. Mm. All right, Chester. Got a hold of his feet. Let's load him up. Sumac Creek water tanks right around the bend up ahead of us there. How long we stop here? Oh, about five minutes. Just long enough to take on water. Might as well relax, Marshal. It's long ways yet to Abilene. Why, we ain't but 24 miles from Dodge City. Feels more like a hundred. These seats are harder than a saddle. Yeah. Uh, say, uh, this here fella you boys looking for, I uh, guess he's a real mean enough. Huh? Oh, yeah, mean enough. Well, it's just like I always say, this prairie country ain't never gonna be a law-abiding place to live. Well, every time I pull out of Kansas City on the Northwest, I'm expecting every minute to be shot or hung or scalped. Chester. What's the matter, Mr. Dillon? Look out the window here. Around the bend there by the water tank. Huh. 
Looks like we don't have to go to Abilene. Mm, oh, yeah, only there's some fella waiting to catch a train, I guess. You boys recognize... Is he the one? Yeah. His horse is tied there, there by the tank. Must have decided on a quicker way of traveling. Yeah, it looks that way. All right, Chester, he won't be expecting us. Let's get out in the vestibule and then drop off and take him as soon as the train stops. Yes, yeah, sir. Hey, Marshal, whatever you do, don't let him get on this train. Just keep the passengers away from the windows. In a way, it's too bad, Mr. Dillon. Miss Morley would have really enjoyed that $10,000. You're guessing, Chester. Well, he hasn't seen us yet. All right, let's go. Lawson! Get your hands up. Bill. You're under arrest. Get your hands up. Bill. He's running for his horse, Mr. Dillon. Lawson. He's going to fight. You can't get away on foot, Lawson. Let's go, let's go. Lawson. Come on, Chester. That's a cutting it awful thin, Mr. Dillon. Giving a man three chances before you haul down on him. Well, we're still on our feet. He's not. Yeah, but it's a pushing the odds, though. Yeah, I guess. All right, pick up his gun there, will you? Yes, sir. Lawson? He's still alive, Mr. Dillon. Can you hear me, Lawson? Sure. Sure, I can hear you. There's a sack of money. Looks like it fell out of his coat. Yeah, I see it. Lawson, there's no doctor on the train. We're going to try to stop the bleeding and do the best we can for you. There'll be a train back toward Dodge City in about a half hour. We'll wait for it. <coughs> Is that all right with you? I, I don't... don't have, have any choice, do I? No, I guess you don't. You made your choice last night. Was she worth it? Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, every Saturday night, Gene Autry invites all his friends to visit him at Melody Ranch for a half hour of songs and stories about the Old West. Tune in the Gene Autry Show tomorrow night over most of these same CBS radio stations. Now for the second act of Gunsmoke. <laughs> a bad one, Matt. Yes, I'd say the bullet's lying right in against his heart. I just tried to wing him, Doc, but we were both moving. You can't always call him, you know. No, I guess not. Well, I'm afraid that's about all I can do for him, Matt. It's not enough, is that it? He won't live an hour. I wish he was conscious. I want to talk to him. Well, the stimulant might take effect, and then again might not. But this kind of a case, you never know. <clears throat> uh, what is it you're after, Matt? Ms. Morley. Accessory before the fact? Uh, she could have been. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm a broken-down old man, Matt, but if that woman rolled her eyes at me just once... Well, uh, I don't... I do not know. I just might. <clears throat> uh, Matt. Yeah. Lawson? Lawson, can you talk? Can you hear me, Lawson? Yeah. Sure. Was Ms. Morley in on it? Nobody was in on it. Did she know you were going to do it? She had... She... She had nothing to do with it. Was she going to meet you somewhere later? She had nothing to do with it. It was my idea. Nobody else. Lawson. Lawson, listen to me. You're dying, do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I can feel it. She wasn't in on it. All right. That's the way you want it. At least Al won't treat her like a dog anymore. What do you mean? I mean, a dead man can't bother anybody. Al? You ought to know. You killed him. No. 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 What? He was asleep. I, I took the money and, and rode away. And they were both asleep. I didn't touch him. You're telling the truth. I swear I didn't kill him. I only stole the money and I... 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 I didn't get... Well, guess I was wrong, Matt. The bullet was closer to his heart than I thought. Yeah. Well, I was wrong about something myself, Doc. I thought this was the end of it. Now it's wide open again. It's wide open. <laughs> don't see why you got me here just to ask the same things all over again, Marshal, because I told you how it happened. Yeah, I know, Jesse. You caught Red Lawson with the money on him. Now, what more proof do you need? It only proves he took the money, Jesse. It doesn't prove he killed Al. Well, what do you mean? Chester, you better punch that fire up over there a little, huh? Mm, it does seem to be getting chilly in here. Now, what do you mean by that, Marshal? You killed Al yourself, didn't you, Jesse? You're out of your mind. You woke up and saw Red steal the money and take off, and I give you ideas. You slipped over and knifed Al in his sleep. You knew Lawson had got the blame for it. Well, sure. Sure, because he did it. He said he didn't. Dang, stove. Well, Marshal, did you expect him to tell the truth? He was dying, Jesse. Knew he was dying. I think he told the truth. I see. His word against mine. Word of a thief. I didn't say I could prove it, Jesse. But you did it, though. We both know that. And sooner or later, I'm going to get you for it. Yeah. Chester, I think it'd draw better if you'd open the damper.
Quiet night, Mr. Dillon. It was a quiet night last night. And two men who were alive last night are gone tonight. Sure makes you stop and wonder. Well, at least one thing hasn't changed. That coyote's still there. I guess there'll always be coyotes around, Mr. Dillon. What are you going to do about Jesse Wells? Oh, I don't know, Chester. He's he's guilty. You can see it written all over him. But there'd be no use bringing him in. I haven't got one piece of evidence. I, I don't know. Yes, sir. She's quite a woman. Mercy. Quite a woman. Yeah, she is that all right. Matt, is that you? Uh, good evening, Miss Morley. Who are you looking for tonight? Can't be Red Lawson. He's dead. So is my husband. You forgotten? My deepest sympathy. Don't bother. You know better. I am sorry about Red, though. He was nice. You're the one who did it, aren't you, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I killed him. For you. I couldn't do anything else. I don't know why you say for me. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, sure, I know. You know. You don't know anything. You don't know how it feels to sit in a house alone with your husband dead. No one in town coming near you. Like he was poisoned or something. Sure, I don't feel sorry about Al, but I would have once... He's the one who changed me, made me feel different. I know, it wasn't your fault. And you didn't even come to tell me he was dead. Why not? It's part of your job, isn't it? I didn't come and tell you, Miss Morley, because I figured that you'd... Chester? Yes, sir? Would you mind walking on ahead? I'll meet you on the Texas Trail in a few minutes. Well, I... All right, Mr. Dillon, if you say so. Why, I'd just send him away, Matt. I, uh, I was just wondering if, uh, you were going to be home later tonight. Well, I could be. Around, uh, 10 o'clock, say? Sure, Matt. I'll be there. you, Kitty? Chester and I were trying to think of some way to rescue you from Ava's clutches. Only one thing, though, Mr. Dillon. I wasn't sure you wanted to be rescued. Uh, Kitty, has Doc been in tonight? Oh, I haven't seen him, Matt. Chester, will you see if you can find him and have him meet me here? Yes, sir. Right away, Mr. Dillon. Uh, Kitty, God. Yeah? I wonder if you'd help me with something. Well, sure, Matt. What? Drop a hint to that bartender, Jesse Wells, that it might be smart to slip out of here and pay a visit to Ms. Morley's around, oh, say, 9.45 tonight. All right. Uh, is it anything you can talk about? I don't exactly know how to talk about it, Kitty. I got a murder on my hands. I know who the killer is, and I can't touch him. So? So I'm going to try to make him touch me. Oh. All right, Matt. I'll take care of it. Uh, will you be around for a while? Yeah, yeah. I'll be here till about ten.
is it? It's Matt Dillon. Who'd you think? Just a minute. Well, hurry up. Let me in. All right, Dillon. Come on in. Well, Jesse, I thought you were working. I was, till just a few minutes ago. Well, what's on your mind? <laughs> uh, well, I... Uh... I think Mr. Dillon probably wants to ask me some questions or something. Yeah, 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 I, I, I do, as a matter of fact. Uh, Jesse Wells, for instance. Huh. He didn't tell me he was going to be here, Ava. Well, I... What do you mean, she didn't tell you? Wait, Ava, what about this? You were expecting him. You knew he was coming. Of course you knew I was coming. You and Matt Dillon. For how long? And what kind of a fool does that make me? I'm afraid you were born a fool, Jesse. That's why she picked you. It's so wonderful you said if only Al didn't stand in our way. I didn't tell you to kill him. I didn't mention it once. You didn't have to. Just kept dropping hints, leading me on. And all the time you and Matt Dillon... She's too smart for you, Jesse. You should have realized that. Yeah. And instead, I played right into your hands. Both of you. How, Jesse? Killing Al. Getting him out of your way. Giving the two of you a clear field. You're under arrest for murder, Jesse. What? Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Both of you would. Sit around and laugh about it while you're waiting for me to hang. I said you're under arrest. Now hand over your gun. Oh, you don't, Dylan. You're not going to carry it that far. You're not taking me in for something both of you wanted me to do. Hand over your gun, Jesse. You want my gun, you got to take it away from me. Get away from the door. Oh, sure, I'll get away from it. Holy, Mr. Wells! Are you all right, Chester? Yes, sir. It was close, but he missed me. Well, you two didn't miss him. I don't know which one of you fired first, but either bullet would have done it. Well, you got his confession all right, Mr. Dillon. Doc and I heard every word from the front porch there. We sure did. Only one thing, though, Matt. He he didn't implicate the woman in it. Yeah, I know. Will you take charge, Doc? Oh, sure. I'd be glad to. Part of my job, you know. Matt. All right, Chester, let's go. Matt? Could I see you for a minute before you go? Matt? What's it add up to, Mr. Dillon? Three men have been killed since this same time last night. Yeah. And you know, Mr. Dillon, I think maybe it's kind of all her fault. And you can't pin a thing on her. My... Well, there's one lucky thing. There aren't many women like her. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lillian Bayef, with Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, and Jack Crucian. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty.
Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Strange Island tells the remarkable story of a tropical paradise that sank into the sea. Hear all about it on Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, tomorrow night on most of these same stations. Hear about the miracle that saves Tarzan from drowning and brings the island back from the sea. Remember, it's yours for thrills on tomorrow night's exciting adventure with Tarzan. Created by Edgar Rice Burroughs and brought to you now by CBS Radio. Clancy Cassell speaking. And remember, Broadway's My Beat brings you startling mysteries Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network. you'll hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with the Bob Hope Show, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the sick shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the sick shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still remembered legends. Tuesday evening choir practice and quite a spell, but when Reverend Broom stopped by the Tropical Ranch where I was working and asked me if I could manage to take part in this week's rehearsal, well, I 
sure couldn't see how to do any harm, so I... Bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing. Bringing in the sheaves. Anyhow, there we are. About ten of us all gathered around. John Farley's general store, it was. You see, the town of Easter Creek didn't have a regular church building yet. They held their services and social affairs in the mercantile while they went ahead trying to raise money to put up a community church. It, it was during the second verse of bringing in the sheaves that things started sounding a little peculiar, sort of like the voices and the music were sort of traveling different trails. First, I thought it was me. I never had been exactly what you'd call melodious, but uh, and the other folks were beginning to have their troubles, too. And I, holy smokes, it just was getting terrible. And finally, Mrs. Peebles, she was the organist, she just threw up her hands and stopped even trying to play. I can't go on, Reverend Broom. I simply can't. No, no, Elvira. Heaven knows I've tried. I've done my best. But this organ just won't play anymore. Well, we'll have Mr. Farley take another look at it, Elvira. I'm sure he'll be able to get it back into shape. There's nothing Mr. Farley can do. Or anybody else. It's plain wore out. You can't expect a thing to last forever. Well, no, no, of course Seems not. Seems to me but... that after all this time, something could have been done about buying a new organ. When I donated this one to the congregation, I didn't suppose I'd have to go on playing it all the rest of my life. But apparently that's what's expected. Now, now, there's no need to upset yourself, Elvira. Well, I can't help being upset. I, I say I can't help it. How do you think I feel every Sunday? All those sour notes and that wheezing and whining. Folks are beginning to think that it's me. That it's my plan. Oh, no, no, well, I've been humiliated for the last time, and I won't go through it again. No, but, but, but Elvira, we gotta have music for Easter services. Music? Well, you certainly don't call that music, do you? Good night, Reverend Bruce. Oh, All right, everybody. Give me your attention, please. Attention, folks. Quiet down now, please. Quiet down. It appears that matters have come to a serious crisis. It's bad enough for a town by the name of Easter Creek not to have a proper building for Easter services. But to be without an organ and an organist. Well, it's a disgrace, a positive disgrace. Now, now we mustn't blame Miss Peebles. That instrument has seen its best days. There's no doubt about it. So I propose that we take immediate steps to purchase a replacement. Just one thing, Reverend Broom. Yes, Sheriff. Where's the money coming from? Well, uh, now I've given that matter serious thought, Sheriff Appleton, and there seems to be only one possible solution to the problem. We'll just have to borrow from the building fund. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. sort of like robbing Peter to pay Paul, isn't it? No, no, not exactly, not exactly. Seeing as how we haven't reached our thousand-dollar goal anyway, well, the money's just sort of lying there. No, yeah, no, I don't know about that. Uh, just how much do you figure a new organ will cost, Reverend Bruce? Well, I've done some investigating in the field, Mrs. Appleton. Last month, when Elvira's foot went through the pump pedal, it seemed like the situation was coming to head. 
church over to Whitefield purchased a new organ just last Christmas. And uh, they're willing to sell us their old one. Uh, it's used, of course, but it's still in excellent repair. And they're only asking $95. Ninety five dollars. Oh, no, no, no. I'm afraid that's a bit more than we can afford, Reverend. Oh, we must have at least $95 in the building fund. We've been putting money aside for the last year. No, no, we ain't. We got forty two fifty. That's the total. Up to and including three dollars sixty five from the cake bazaar a month ago. Forty two fifty. Yep. I just had no idea I was We're shy over fifty dollars from what it would take to buy the organ. And there just isn't any way we could raise it. Not between now and Easter. Now, now, now. We mustn't give up. After all, we only need um the fifty dollars. Uh, fifty two fifty. Yeah, yes, exactly. Let's see. There was just someone who could take a firm grip of the situation. A man who Mr. Ponson. Uh, yes, yes, Reverend. Uh, uh, Mr. Ponson, I know you aren't a regular member of our congregation, and, and you've only been in our midst a few months. But, well, I, uh, sure would be glad to donate what I can to the cause, Reverend, but I'm afraid it'd only be a drop in the bucket. Oh, a donation wasn't exactly what I had in mind. Oh? I think perhaps you can be of more service in another fashion. Ladies and gentlemen, I propose that we appoint Britt Ponson, a committee of one to take charge of the organ raising. Well, oh, now, hold on a minute here, Reverend Broome. We all know that, that you're a man of strength and determination, Mr. Ponson. That you inspire confidence. And we trust generosity. Well, now, I, I'd sure like to oblige you folks, but what you're asking is just out of the question. That's all. You wouldn't turn us down in our hour of need. Oh, no, I'm not turning you down exactly. What I mean is, I... It just couldn't be done. Why, you've been a whole year raising forty-two fifty, and now you're talking about raising over $50 in just a few days. Well, we've been going at it the wrong way, That's Mr. Right. Potson. What? I'm sure your approach will be 100% more effective. My approach? Why, certainly. And just to show you how easy it'll be, we'll start things off by taking up a collection right now. Sheriff Appleton, will you pass the hat? But, uh, All right, here, everybody. everybody. Dig down deep. It's a wonderful thing Mr. Ponsett's doing in taking over this fundraising campaign. But, but I never said and a word. And here's our chance to let him know how Reverend. much we appreciate Reverend. Well, the sheriff finished passing the hat and poured it out on the table. And Reverend Broom counted it. $2.50. And you know, the Reverend was real pleased, too. He said that that meant that I only had $50 to go. A nice round number. Well, not that I had any intention of taking this job of raising the money to get the new organ, you understand. I told the Reverend I couldn't do it. I told him just as plain as day that I couldn't do it. But somehow he got the idea that I had already agreed to do it. And no matter how hard I talked, he just kept... And the other folks, they... They were as bad as Reverend Broom. They I was just outnumbered. That's all there was to it. So, early the next morning, I took my hat in my hand and started out. Oh, must have been getting around noon when I finally came back to the sheriff's office. Oh, come in, Brett. Come in. Good morning, Abner. Well, how's everything going? You, you've been out collecting? Yeah, yeah, I've been collecting. Well? Well, 
Eleven dollars. That's what I got so far. Eleven dollars, eh? That's remarkable, Brett. Simply remarkable. But the trouble is, I've already asked everybody in town. Uh-huh. Except you, that is. Oh. Oh, well, I suppose I could give you a dollar, but don't forget I was in on the collection at Clarefax. You ain't serious, Brett. You, you don't mean you really ask everybody else. As a matter of fact, there is one area I sort of skipped over. Oh? Was well, those cabins over east of the creek and the ranches out that way? I I haven't visited them yet. Eh? Well, you'd just be wasting your time if you did. I would, eh? Yeah, those folks wouldn't be very anxious to help out at church. Mess of thieves, cattle rustlers, every other kind of riffraff. Oh, is that what they are? Oh. Oh, well, now, that's just a general census of opinion. And of course, if I could know for certain that we had any actual outlaws living around Easter Creek, if I was positive, that is. Well, it'd be my duty to arrest them. I see. Uh-huh. But the fact is, they ain't caused any trouble here in town. None of them. No, I can't go around arresting people on rumors. Well, can I, Britt? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I understand Red Eye Kirk has a place somewhere east of town. Is that right? That's hearsay, Britt. Oh. Pure and simple hearsay. Oh, I see. Why, you don't think I'd let a notorious gunfighter like Red Eye live right here under my nose, do you? Well, it's too bad he's not in these parts. Oh? No, I was thinking I might like to pay him a little visit. Well, what on earth for? Well, oh, as long as he's not in the neighborhood, I guess it doesn't matter. Kind of a shame, though. Uh, well, now, if you're really anxious to... Uh, what I mean is... <clears throat> oh, but they do say there's a fellow who somewhat resembles Red Eye. He's got himself a cabin just this side of Deer Mountain. Just this side of Deer Mountain, huh? Hey, now, uh, well, wait a minute, Red. Wait, wait a minute, uh... What in turn did you want to get mixed up with Red Eye Kirk for? What's he got to do with raising money for a new organ? Well, a probably won't have anything to do with it, but it's just that I don't want to leave any stones unturned, you see. So long, Abner. It was about a half hour's ride out to the cabin Sheriff Applin told me about. Not much of a cabin, though. Just a shack at the foot of Deer Mountain with a corral off one side. Hmm. There sure were a lot of different brands on the horses in that corral. Well, I pulled up in the yard about 15 feet from the cabin door. Whoa, boy. Whoa. Whoa, Scott. Whoa. For a minute, it didn't seem like there was anybody at home, but... And then I heard the door start to creak open. The barrel of a forty-five poked into sight. The man behind it was tall and square-shouldered and thick black beard and kind of reddish eyes. Howdy. What do you want, mister? I'm looking for Red Eye Kirk. Ain't nobody here by that name. Uh-huh. Well, maybe you'll do then. What? My name's Ponset, Brett Ponset. Ponset? Now, hold on, hold on. I'll just take it easy with that gun. Get him up. Get him up high. Oh, sure, sure. How's this? You alone? Yep, yep, I'm alone. You must be plumb crazy thinking you can take me single-handed. No, 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 I'm not interested in taking you, Red Eye. I told you that ain't who I am. Oh, that's right, yeah, that's right. Yes, you did. Yes, that's right. Uh, you mind if I get off my horse? Well, just don't try nothing, that's all. And don't move toward your holster. 
No, all right. That's close enough. Sure, sure. Now, what are you doing out here, anyway? Well, the fact is, uh, you see, Mr. I, uh, Mr. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Uh, Jones. Bill Jones. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mr. Jones, I've been given the job of raising some money. What? Now, now don't get me wrong. It wasn't my idea, but since it was for such a good cause, I just couldn't turn the folks down. Good cause? A new church organ. That's what I'm collecting for. What? Now, you see, the one that Reverend Broom's congregation has been using, it sort of gave up the ghost last night, and what with Easter coming on, I... Well, it, Are you joshing me, mister? No. No, of course I'm not. You mean you're out here trying to raise money so you can buy a church organ? That's right. Go on. Get moving before I take a shot at you. You won't give me a hand, huh? I wouldn't give you five cents for every church organ west of the Mississippi River. Now, it wasn't your money I wanted. What? No, no. No, it wasn't that at all. What the devil did you come around bothering me for? Well, I was thinking that uh, you're a pretty influential man with some of the folks hereabouts. Well, they'll toe the mark if I tell them to. You can bet on that. Yeah, well, that's just the impression I got. So what? Well, it seemed to me that if I was to go moseying around these parts alone, some of your friends might not look too kindly on the idea of giving me donations. <laughs> they sure wouldn't. But on the other hand, if if we were to approach them together as a kind of a team, you might say. A team? That's the general idea, yeah. You? You want me to go along with you? I sure would appreciate it if you would. And, and help you raise money for a church organ? That's, that's right. Well, I'll be... <laughs> <laughs> Me taking up a Sunday school collection. Well, that's the doggondest notion anybody ever had. <laughs> what do the boys think? Huh? Jack Denton, Wisconsin Billy. Why, it'd be almost worth it just to see their faces. <laughs> you sure got a sense of humor, Ponson. And you know something this here crazy scheme of yours? I'm going to take you up on it. Uh, you know something, Mr. Jones? What? You know, you know something? I kind of thought you would. <laughs> you are listening to The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman whose name has become a legend throughout the great Southwest. And now, act two of the story called Crisis at Easter Creek. Well, the first place we came to was a farmhouse about a quarter of a mile south of Red Eye's cabin. At least it had been a farmhouse once. And there sure wasn't any crops growing in the vicinity now. Porch sagged off at a slant, and the windows were stuffed full of papers and rags. Even the front door looked like it was about to slide off its hinges. The place really looked deserted, but Red Eye gave me the nod, and we pulled up and dismounted. Old Red Eye, he had a great big grin as wide as a full moon spread all over his face. Been there ever since we started off. Hey, Dalton! 
It's me, Red Eye. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, uh, well, I guess you know who I was anyway, didn't you? Well, I, I, I had a pretty good idea. Howdy, Red Eye. What can I do for you? Denton, this here's Britt Ponson. Ponson? Howdy, Denton. Now, don't you worry, Red Eye. Even if he did get the draw on you, he ain't turning you over to no sheriff. Oh, put your gun away, Denton. Huh? Use your eyes. Ponson ain't covered me, is he? Then what are you doing riding along with him? Well, we got us a little project. Now, you explain it to him, Ponson. Well, the fact is we're collecting money to buy a new organ for Reverend Broom. What? That's right, Jack. Oh. Sounds to me like you said money for a new organ. I must be getting loco. I sure ain't going to argue that with you, Denton. Well, come on. Come on, fork over. You... You mean you're serious, Red Eye? Of course I'm serious. And he must be holding a gun on you. I ain't got all day, Denton. How much we need, Britt? Well, let's see, uh, 12 from 50, uh, 38 dollars. Well, you heard him. Denton? Oh, oh, oh sure, sure, Red Eye, sure. Uh, now, uh, just let me look in my purse here. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, two $20 gold pieces. How's that? Well, I, I didn't mean that you had to contribute the whole thing. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, just just keep the change. Just keep the change. Oh, well, thanks a lot. My pleasure. My pleasure entirely. Well, was there anything else, Red Eye? Uh, no. No, I guess that'll do it for now. Well, let's go, Ponson. Yeah, sure. He's a boy. He... Uh, I'm glad you boys stopped by. Anytime I can... Well, you know where to find me. <laughs> uh, we'll stop at Mike Morgan's place next. That's just down the road. Well, that's mighty considerate of you, Red Eye, but uh, we, we don't... Need to make another stop. What? Well, what are you talking about? Well, $38, that's all we needed, you see. Oh. See, the, the organ's all paid for now. Well, uh, uh, there must be something else the Reverend needs money for, ain't it? Oh, I suppose. Well, that doggone could... it, Ponson. I'm enjoying myself. Besides, it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the boys if Denton was the only one who got a chance to do a little contributing to charity. At least we can do is stop at Mike Morgan's. Since Howard, so close. I said, well, whatever you say. Whatever you say, Red Eye. Well, we made about eight more stops before evening, and I must say that all of Red Eye's friends are mighty generous. I, I even had to turn down the offer of a couple of cows for the cause seeing as how there was some doubt as to the legal owner of the stock in question. But the gold and the silver and the paper money, well, there just wasn't any way of telling how that was come by. At least, uh, wasn't any way I could think of. So by sundown, I was carrying quite a load of cash. And we were riding away from Slick Wilson's place when Red Eye gave a little sigh and looked at me sort of disappointed. Well... Guess I better head back home now. Sure, Red Eye. Sure. <laughs> What's the matter? I was just thinking about how Mike Morgan tripped over his shotgun when I oh. told him what it was we wanted. Oh, and then yeah. they blowed himself right over the bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of a close call, wasn't it? Doggone it. I don't see why Wisconsin Billy wasn't at home. Well, he'd have been fit to be tied. Well, we did all right without him. He's a... Say, 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 it's a Brit. Oh, why don't you come back tomorrow, huh? Oh, no. He'd probably be around there. Oh, no, no. No, thanks, Red Eye. I, I got a... Well, I got a whole whole lot more than I ever expected. Huh? And I sure do appreciate your assistance. Oh, pleasure's all mine. <laughs> well, good luck. 
Same to you. Same to you, Red Eye. It was about an hour's ride back to town, but before I'd gone more than halfway, I... I got the feeling there was somebody following me. I sure didn't like it either. Not with all this money I had in the saddlebags. No, I gave Scar a little touch of the spur. Come on, boy. Come on. Come on. Let's go. When I heard the other horse pounding up the trail after me, I... Let's go, boy. Come on. Come on. Let's go. His first shot was over my head. There wasn't any point in trying to outrun him. Scar being as tired as he was, I slid out of the saddle and I rolled over behind a rock. He was still coming, so I eased my gun out of the holster and inched up to get a look at him. He was a big fella, holding his revolver loose in his hand like he didn't figure on using it. Well, I didn't figure on letting him rob me either. I waited until he was about even with the rock where I was hiding. Then I stood up. Drop it! Drop it! Okay, okay, take it easy, Ponset. Why, you know who I am, huh? Red Eye told me you was heading this way. I've been trying to catch up with you for the last 15 minutes. You... You mean Red Eye sent you after me? I'll say he did. Well, I'll be darned. Huh. I thought I had him figured different. Well, I suppose he told you about the money, too. Sure, yeah. sure. Here's mine. Hmm? My share. Catch. <laughs> What? Your, your share? For the church organ. Name's Wisconsin Billy. I was out when you come by to collect this afternoon. Oh. Oh. Then I wanted to make certain you got my donation. Oh. Oh, I see. Now, do you mind handing me my gun? You're you guy? No, not a bit. Here. Here you are. Thanks. Well, so long, Ponset. Oh, yes. Yes, so long there. <laughs> I simply can't believe it, Mr. Ponson. There must be over a thousand dollars here. Just about, Reverend. Just about. Enough for the organ. Enough to build a church, too. Yeah? <laughs> well. Uh, Mr. Ponson. Yeah? Now, you mustn't think me ungrateful, but I'm afraid we can't accept this money. What? Well, you see, Sheriff Appleton told me where you got it. He did, huh? Now, mind you, I don't have any objections myself. I think when help is offered, it should be accepted, irregardless of the source. But uh, some of my people, they aren't quite so broad-minded. And the idea of permitting Red Eye Kirk and those other outlaws to donate to our fund, well... Now, it's... now, now, just hold on a minute, Reverend Bro. Now, just hold on. Now, when I was talking to Sheriff Apperton earlier today, he claimed that there weren't any outlaws in the vicinity of Easter Creek. Well, we don't like to admit that our town is a, a haven. Of... Why, the, why, the sheriff said that... If there were any bandits around here, it was his duty to arrest them. Of course, that would mean getting a posse together. It would probably mean a lot of shooting and killing. Well, Mr. Ponson, everybody knows it. I mean, it's common knowledge. And as for Red Eye Kirk ever having anything to do with that money I raised, well, I, you could be mistaken, Reverend. But, but you were seen riding along. Well, it, it looked like Red Eye. Didn't Sheriff Applin ever tell you about the fellow that lives out near Deer Mountain who's supposed to be the 
spitting image of Red Eye Kirk? Didn't oh, he ever now, tell you about that? Now, Mr. Ponce. No, no. Even if some of those fellows on the other side of the creek are sort of outside the law. Now, I'm not saying they are, mind you, but even so, you know, accusing them of being criminals, it might stir up a whole lot of trouble. That's true, of course. And besides, Sheriff Ablin says they're law-abiding citizens, and he's your duly elected sheriff. He sure ought to know. Hmm? Well, night, Reverend. I'll uh, see you in church. Well, I guess there was a little argument about whether or not to accept the money, but Sheriff Appleton finally convinced folks that they didn't have any right to turn it down. So by the following Sunday, Easter, the congregation had a new organ. The service was real well attended, too. Now, I, some of the folks didn't look like regular churchgoers, uh, but Red Eye, he, I mean, uh, Mr. Jones, he explained to me afterwards that he and his friends just wanted to make sure their contributions had been put to a good use. I don't know if they've been back since, but you never can tell, you know. Reverend Broom preached a real fine sermon that morning. Transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Marvin Miller, Ted DeCorsia, Robert Griffin, and Red Eye Kirk. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Well, by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Play Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards on the NBC Radio Network.